0: God sent prophets among them to bring them back to the Lord. The prophets testified against them, but they did not listen. Notice the prophets is plural there. We're going to hear from a prophet um, uh, in a moment, and there were many others. I was also trying to think chronologically what prophets that we know about could possibly have been involved here. Um, This is the 800s BC. So we are prior to the time of Isaiah, we're getting close, but not not Isaiah yet, not quite Hosea yet, not quite Micah yet. Those three are contemporaries. That's going to be, they're about a generation away from them. Um, Not quite, uh, therefore, any of the famous ones who came later, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, certainly, Zephaniah, those are all later Amos. However, one of the writing prophets, and maybe two, would have been this early. And one of them is the prophet Joel. By the way, that's Michelangelo's picture of Joel. Um, so it could have, uh, one of these prophets could have been Joel, except that um, where Joel doesn't say anything in his prophecy about this, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he, I mean, his prophecy is just four chapters, and it maybe it was, uh, or three or four chapters, but um, it, he just doesn't mention it, uh, uh, that's possible. Um, the thing about Joel is, uh, dating Joel is kind of tricky, unless you've read all the other prophets, and you'll realize everybody quotes Joel, which is why we know he's an early prophet, because he's got all the quotes that they all, they all work from. Um, another early one that it could have been was actually Obadiah, and the thing about Obadiah is we're about to have a war against Edom, and Obadiah's oracle is against Edom, and that, that could have played in into this um, at, the, at this time as well. Um, the spirit of God came around Ze- came upon Zechariah, son of Jehoiada the priest. Who was this Zechariah to King Joash? Well, more like a stepbrother. I mean, I I mean, he's his. I mean, I, 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 oh, I've been calling Jojeda the grandpa, haven't I? Yeah. I mean, he, he and his wife raised Joash, and now one of their sons is this prophet. That's who this Zechariah is. He's the son of that old priest that raised Joash. So did you call him step uncle? That okay. And he would have been an older guy too, because I mean, if Dad is 130, how old is this guy? Hey, maybe 108 or whatever, you know. So so this guy, Zechariah, stood in front of the people and said to them, this is what God says. Why do you disobey the commandments of the Lord? You will not prosper. Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. Wow, that's, uh, that's, that's strong words, right? But they conspired against him, and by the command of the king, they stoned him to death in the courtyard of the Lord. So they kill this guy, and thus King Joash did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada, his mentor, had shown him. Instead, he killed Jehoiada's son, and as Zechariah was dying, he said, the Lord will see and avenge. Remember what Stephen's words were as they stoned him to death? Don't hold it against them. Yeah, it's basically, Father, forgive them. Just as Jesus did. But uh, uh, giving Zechariah the benefit of the doubt, he hadn't read Acts um, or the Gospels, and he's, you know, and also he needs to preach a warning here. Stephen needed to preach the Gospel, so did Jesus, but Zechariah needs to preach the law um, and this warning here. All right, how did this end? At the end of the year, now, that could be at the end of, um, of a year, okay? And I, I, I'm taking it as if that it was the same year that, that all of this happened. The year that after Jehoiada died, that Joash completely falls and, 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 uh, and then meets his end. He's not going to be killed in battle. It's a different death. But um, it could have been a little bit more than that. But depending on, it, it wasn't much more than that, though. And understand about Jehoiada then, he goes back all the way either to the year after Solomon's son Rehoboam died, or if we have to date him earlier, he could have known Rehoboam. You know, he it would have been a little, ba- a little boy, but he, Rehoboam would have been the king. That's how far back this 130-year-old man goes. So it's a remarkable lifespan that this guy has. Well, now what happens? At the end of the year, the army of Aram marched out against Joash. They came to Judah and Jerusalem, and they slaughtered all the officials from among the people, and they sent all the spoils to the king of Damascus. So they plunder all that stuff that just got redone and rebuilt and everything. Um... And, and more than that, although the army of Aram had come with only a few men, the Lord delivered a very great army into their hand because Judah had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. So the Arameans carried out judgment against Joash. So remember, I, I think it was just last time, or, or, or a, couple of, a couple chapters ago, we had Israel, or rather Judah, fighting the Edomites and the Ammonites and the Mionites. And, and God even said, don't even fight them, just watch. And now the, the reverse happens. Now this little tiny army comes and God says, I don't care how many people you have, you're getting beat. And they got beat. Now, when they withdrew, leaving behind Joash, who was severely wounded, his own officials conspired against him because of the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest. Now here it says the sons of Jehoiada. The one prophet got killed, right? But we also heard what happened to the other ones in the previous text. They were murdered by the Arameans who came down. So inviting this war against them, the rest of Jehoiada's family died. They were obviously officials of the king in some way. So they violently, violently attacked him on his bed and he died. They buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. Anybody recognize that scary image of corpses in bags with lime thrown over the top of them? It's a very funny movie, actually. This is Amadeus. This is the burial of Mozart um, in a pauper's grave because he had he died penniless. Um, Actually, Mozart has a grave in Vienna, um, or the gravestone. I'm just not sure that he's in there. Um, So, all right. Those who conspired against him were Zabad, son of Shemath, an Ammonite woman, and Jehozabad, son of Shimrith, a Moabite woman. So it's these uh, uh, foreigners who kill him because he conspired and stoned to death The priest of God? That's really uh, an an unusual quirk here, but that's what happened. And the accounts about his sons, about the many, many prophetic warnings against him, and about the restoration of the house of God are recorded in the notes in the book of kings, book of the kings, I should say. His son Amaziah ruled as king in his place. Can I just comment that the word here in the third line from the bottom, the notes, In Hebrew, this is the word midrash. Anybody ever heard that word before? Midrash is what the Jews will say about their commentaries on the Bible. This is midrash on commentary on this or that book of the Bible. So notes is a good translation. Let's move into chapter 25, Amaziah, king of Judah. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. By the way, that means that he was born about the time that Joash was um, 22. Reasonable time to have your first child, I suppose. That's a great question. Um, That's really worth studying. And I, I, I believe it all gets wrapped up into how did God address sin? And how, how far off kilter do we have to be that these foreigners get mad about the treatment of God's priest? It wasn't Israelites. would their fathers have been Israelites? Maybe, but then they're half-bloods. You know, like David's great-great-grandfather had been, um, what's his name, Obed, right? The son of Ruth and Boaz. Um, so, I mean, he's not even a full-blooded Israelite. These two guys are, and they get angry about, of course, they also did something that was naughty. They raised their hand against the anointed of God. But, in, you know, so you, you've, the, there, there's a good and a bad to what they did. You know, they, end, they ended a terrible, I mean, and maybe the king would have died anyway. Um, so I'm not really sure about that. He was on his bed, you know, with wounds from this battle. Um, and so, you know, I mean, what did they, what was their murder weapon? You know, a pillow? You know, I don't really know, um, or something like that, but whatever they did. Um, however, it, 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 the, the, uh, the sort of vengeance uh, about the sons, about the sons of Jehoiada is carried out by foreigners and not even by Israelites. It's like they don't even care. Yeah, very good question. Okay, Amaziah was 25 when he became king and ruled as king in Jerusalem for 29 years. Um, so he's a little bit over 50 when he dies, at least. Um, his mother's name was uh, Jehoadan of Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not with a completely committed heart. And after, after um, bad, worse, and even worser recently, you know, I mean, Queen Athaliah is only two generations ago. Are, do you look at a verse like this and think, oh, well, okay, <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, it's not so bad. It's, we, we've had worse. We, we just had worse. And um, However, that's not the way God sees things. So he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not with a completely committed heart, excuse me, and that's going to be a warning. Yeah, yeah. But for, the, but, for the, but for the author, that's a really good point. But for the author to come out and say it, says that there's something going on here. The author likes to say something about each king as they come on. Like he was terribly wicked. And this guy, it's like, yeah, wasn't, he wasn't, wasn't great, but he wasn't, you know. You know, at least in the beginning, he didn't totally reject God. Oh. Yeah, which, which, yes, doesn't go. which son is worse, the one who says yes and doesn't go or the one who says no one does? Yeah, yeah, right. As soon as the royal power was firmly in his possession, he put to death the officials who was who had assassinated his father, the king. I mean, they raised their hand against the Lord's anointed, which is what David would have done, right? King David spends basically his whole kingship teaching the people of Israel, whatever you do, don't raise your hand against the Lord's anointed. And then what happens to David? Two of his sons raise their hand against the Lord's anointed, you know, um, but, well. But he did not put their children to death because of what is written in the law, In the book of Moses, in which the Lord commanded, fathers are not to be put to death on account of their sons, and sons are not to be put to death on account of their fathers, but each person will die for his own sin. He had read Moses. In fact, wasn't the king supposed to read Moses? We saw that too a while ago. Okay, war against Edom. This is why I brought up Obadiah. Obadiah writes this whole thing about Edom, and where would that fit? Well, in his lifetime... um, We do have a war against Edom. So um, maybe, although, and and the war is going to be fairly successful for, for, for Judah. Amaziah then assembled Judah. He organized the troops on the basis of their father's houses under commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. What's the difference between commander of a thousand and commander of a hundred? Well, besides how many guys they're commanding. Yeah, general versus a captain. That's a really good analysis of what it is. So the commanders of the thousands, they don't have a thousand guys to command necessarily. They have ten commanders of a hundred, really, right? To to command. You know, you have you have the, the commanders of the hundred are commanding the individual guys. The commanders of the thousands are commanding the commanders, and so forth. And by the way, in Hebrew it's all just the word prince. The prince of this and the prince of that. Sar this, sar that. Um, uh, for all of Judah and Benjamin, he took account of all who were 20 years old and older. He found 300,000 men capable of going to war, able to handle spear and shield. I don't like the sound of that kind of a battle though. What's your weapon? Spear. <laughs> Is that all I get? You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of partial to maybe something that would be more bow and arrow-ish or machine gun-ish or something or hand grenade-ish or but spear is spear is close work, but yeah, spear and shield. He also hired a hundred thousand powerful warriors for one hundred talents of silver. A hundred talents of silver is about four tons. That's a lot of silver. It's a lot of weight of silver. A man of God came to him saying, O king, maybe that's not how I said it, but that's how I read it. O king, the army of Israel must not go along with you because the Lord is not with Israel. So this is a military campaign, and what are they doing? They're practicing fellowship. Why? Well, they're in a theocracy. So if he's a wicked man, don't join in his wicked work. That, that applies in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a country that is only a theological reign. So a theocracy like this. So we're, we're applying fellowship here. He is not with any of these descendants of Ephraim. Even if you go and you take action and you are strong for battle, God will defeat you in the face of the enemy because God has power both to help and to defeat. So don't, don't take those guys along with you. Amaziah said to the man of God, Well, what am I to do about the hundred talents I gave to the army of Israel? He's concerned about the cash. And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than that. It's a pretty satisfactory answer. By the way, I just thought I would let you know, that's four tons right there. That's a lot of silver. So Amaziah dismissed the troops who had come to him from Ephraim, they were told to return home, but they were very angry against Judah. They returned to their homes, burning with anger. But Amaziah took courage. He led his troops out to the Valley of Salt. That's south of the Dead Sea, uh, where he struck down 10,000 men of Sair. The men of Judah captured 10,000 of them alive, so 20,000 casualties you would say, they took them to the top of a cliff and threw them down from the top of the cliff and all of them were dashed to pieces. This is the Valley of Sair, that's an artist drawing from the 1900s and you can see a lot of cliffs where that would have been possible. So they, maybe they lined them all up at the same time and gave a, a horn signal and they, they all went down together at once. I don't know. But the men from the army, whom Amaziah had not allowed to go with him to battle, attacked the cities of Judah from Samaria to Beth Horon, so up in the north. They killed three thousand people from these, those cities. They also carried off a lot of plunder. So the guys who didn't go to war, get, didn't get to go to war, who got sent home for fellowship reasons, they got mad, killed three thousand people, and stole a bunch of stuff. And what's the king's response? Get get something in your head about what his response should be. And then, you know what? You're all wrong. Because the king's response was, after he came back from the slaughter of the Edomites, he brought with him the gods of the men of Sire and set them up as his own gods and worshiped them and made offerings to them. What? That was his conclusion. Too bad about all the dead people, but I got these cool G.I. Joes I brought back from, you know, I mean gods I brought back from from Edom, and that's what he does. And nothing else. While he was Oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I skipped one, didn't I? The Lord was angry with Amaziah, so he sent a prophet to him who said to him, Why are you seeking the gods of another people? gods who did not deliver their own people from your hand but while he was speaking to him the king said to him have we made you an advisor to the king stop why should you be struck down in other words shut up and get out before i kill you the prophet stopped but he said i know that god has determined to destroy you because you've done this and you have not listened to my advice in my head, I hear a dagger hit the doorpost next to the prophet when I hear this. Do, 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 or else he's running, or shouting this over his shoulder as he leaves the city. Well, what do you think happened next? After consulting with his advisors, Amaziah, king of Judah, sent a challenge to Joash, son of Jehoaz, king of Jehu, king of Israel. He's got his whole pedigree there. Come, we will confront each other face to face. But there's something in the challenge that's not quite a challenge. So there is something extra which the king's going to respond with here. Joash, king of Israel, sent a response to Amaziah, king of Judah. A thorn bush in Lebanon sent a message to a cedar in Lebanon. Um, By the way, as I read this, um, I read four commentaries on this text while preparing for this class none of them explains this little parable. None of them. I'm going to explain it to you now. But, and, I, and I didn't read the People's Bible by, Dr., by Professor Wendland, so it, he might have done it in the People's. I'm not sure if he did. I, I'll bet he did. His, his commentary is excellent and very thorough, but I didn't get to his. But, so who do you think would, would we have Israel and Judah, the two kings, and one says a lousy thorn bush sends a message to a cedar in Lebanon, you know, tall, mighty, strong, huge tree. Which one is the king of Judah? Scrawny thorn bush. And who is the mighty cedar? It's Joash the king. No, no the, yeah, the, the king of Israel. Joash the king of Israel. So, but here's the message. Um, give your daughter to my son as his wife. So a little bit extra in that exchange. You know, I want, uh, uh, I want us to have a treaty now. And how do you make a treaty? Easiest way is a marriage. So let's, let's, let's be calm about all this and let's have a marriage. But a wild animal in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thorn bush. So in the little parable here, who would be the, again, who is the thorn bush? Amaziah. And who's the wild animal? Who, who could the wild animal be? Could be God, or could be an enemy, or just anybody else, practically. I mean, who do you have to be to crumple a thorn bush? You know, not much of any, I mean, a donkey can crumple a thorn bush, right? I mean, a bunny rabbit can pretty much crumple a thorn bush, so maybe not much of anybody, so it doesn't make any difference. Any old passerby could, could, could whip you, O king, So you want my daughter? Um, You're not going to get anything. You're going to get stepped on by somebody. So be careful. You, this is still the message, you have congratulated yourself for striking down Edom and your heart has given you confidence to boast, but now stay home. Why should you stir up trouble? You will fall and Judah will fall with you. So can I put this in football terms? So you guys... You think you're in the professional league? Okay, you just just whipped a bunch of 8th graders. But this is the NFL. You know, that's that's kind of what we're getting at here. Amaziah did not listen because this was from God in order that he might hand them over to Israel because they had sought the gods of Edom. Joash, king of Israel, attacked. So he and Amaziah, king of Judah, confronted each other face-to-face at Beth Shemesh which belongs to Judah. Judah was defeated by Israel, and each man fled to his tent. So they all just scram. And at Beth Shemesh, uh, Joash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, and the son of Joash, son of Amaziah, and brought him to Jerusalem. And Joash broke down 600 feet of the wall of Jerusalem from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate. So Joash takes the king captive, takes him back to his own city, and wrecks the wall. He's going to demand tribute to get, if you want your king back. Joash took all the gold and silver, all the articles that he found with Obed-Edom in the house of God, and in the treasuries of the king's palace. Remember I said, every time we have the, 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 the stuff rebuilt, we're going to lose it. He also took Amaziah's sons as hostages and returned to Samaria. A, a question I have here is, do you remember who Obed-Edom was? This is not our first time with this name. Remember back to the Ark of the Covenant um, being taken by King David to Jerusalem and they have it on a wagon and the wagon tips and that guy Uzzah puts out his hand and he dies. And then they say, "Uh, we can't do this. Let's let's park it here at this guy's house. The guy was Obed-Edom. That's this guy. And so I, this translation could be the articles that were, that were found with Obed-Edom. Not that he found with Obed-Edom, but that this Obed-Edom, because later on, uh, David brought the Ark to Jerusalem and moved this Obed-Edom to Jerusalem. He got to be the keeper of the Ark of the Covenant of the tent for the rest of his life. And I think these are the, the treasuries that he gathered Oh, this guy would be long dead. Yeah, I mean, he 130, he'd be 230 by this time. Um, but, or, well, Solomon's, Sol, uh, uh, yeah, Solomon had, had 40 years um, and, and 30. Rehoboam, 30 years, Solomon, 40. That's 70 more years. That's 200 years ago. However, the things that were that had belonged to him are kind of like obed Edom's treasury. That special. Oh, yeah, that, that room there. That's the old treasury of that guy who took care of the ark for all those years. That's, that's how I read this verse. Okay. So Amaziah's sons are hostages. And what happens next? Okay, spoiler alert. But all these headings, I'm just getting out of, this, out of, the, out of our translation. I don't, I don't make these up, so. Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, lived for 15 years. After the death of Joash, son of Jehoahaz, King of Israel. So that attacking king is going to die and Amaziah is going to outlive him by 15 more years. The rest of the deeds of Amaziah, from the first to last, are they not written in the books of the kings of Judah and Israel? So, our book of the kings of Judah and Israel, so his other stuff is written down. And our last two verses. After Amaziah had turned away from the Lord, huh, A conspiracy was formed against him in Jerusalem, so he fled to Lachish, which is off to the west. It's the sleepy eye of of Jerusalem. But they sent men after him to Lachish, and they killed him there. They brought him back on horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. He runs for it, they kill him, bring him back. on. I looked for a picture of a guy slung over, uh, like a, a dead guy over a horse. I couldn't find one on, on, on the internet. I should have just watched an episode of Wanted Men Are, Dead or Are Alive. But uh, I, I, I couldn't find one on the internet. But anyway, they bring them. And the thing is, using a horse was a rare thing. They used donkeys for everything. They didn't ride horses yet. Um, they were terrified of it. The Assyrians developed that. Um, otherwise, they were just used as like draft animals. You didn't ride one. You might, have, you might hitch something to it. But it's like, kind of like owning a giraffe. It'll pull my wagon, but I'm not getting up on that thing. Are you kidding me? So this leaves us with this list of the 9th and 8th century kings of of Judah. Um, The last three have been murdered. Um, And then we come to Azariah, who we're going to find out had this other name. He's also called Uzziah. And now that brings us, at last, to uh, the ministries of Isaiah, Hosea, and Micah um, in the 8th century B.C. In all of these things, I just want to point out the one thing, which is why would God allow the north to get along for so long when when the northern kings were so wicked and had abandoned God by so much? And we see here in these two chapters, sometimes the southern kings needed correcting from the outside, and so God allowed the northern kings to live so long, I think, to correct the southern kings. But pretty soon that's going to come to an end. I'm not going to use Israel anymore. I'm going to start using, says the Lord, Assyria and Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome. That's what I'm going to use. Um, so the um, what was it that uh, was it? Alice Cooper said, "No more, Mr. Nice Guy," right? And we end there. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Ulm, Minnesota.